Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. Acts chapter 2. Glory to God. Hit that C note for me one more time. Yeah, that's the one right there. Glory to God. Acts chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. I love Pentecost Sunday. I probably should publish a volume on this. And I like it so much. How many of you have been filled with the Holy Ghost like the Bible talks about? Oh, glory to God. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God. My, my, my. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. Can I just read a couple of verses to you? Would that be all right? Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that means they've been there for seven days, and now that time is over with, this feast is over with, it has been completed. Some of your translations will say, when the days of Pentecost had been fulfilled, they were completed. Uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Hit that C note one more time. Maybe it's a little louder. Hit a C chord, would you? Hit that note again. Hit just the note. Now hit the chord. Use both hands. Just hit a note. And now hit the chord. You know, can I just say, wasn't that good? He, he, he's got a Grammy Award. Would you give him a great big we love you? There is a lot of difference in a note and a chord. I'm going to let that sink in just for a moment. The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, they were not just a bunch of notes that got inside of the house, but they had gotten into one accord. Now just do it one more time. Give me a note. Now give me a full chord. That's it right there. That, that's what I'm looking for right there. They've been up there for about 10 days praying in the upper room. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes you've got to get into the upper room if you're going to get in a chord. You've got to get rid of a lot of the thoughts and the distractions and and all of the issues that are going on individually. When we come together in the house of the Lord, we don't just come as pieces of the body of Christ. The Bible says we are assembled together. There's a lot of difference in just being together versus being assembled together. Hallelujah. I, I was talking to someone here in the church and they built us a little cake, and it's actually like a world-class pound cake, if you want to know the truth. And so um, I said, tell me some of the ingredients of that. And they said, well, it takes a lot of eggs. I said, oh, that's real good. It takes eggs. I like eggs. I have eggs at the house. And it takes, I don't know how many cups of sugar. I said, oh, that's awesome. My dentist will love that. And so... And it takes a little vanilla. And it takes so much flour. I know you're getting hungry and I'm just, I hadn't even got over onto the meat and beans yet. And, and it just takes all these ingredients and the butter. I said, you know, how many, how many cows did you wear out getting butter for this? Because it is the best cake in the world. And listen, I can take all of those ingredients and put all of those ingredients on, on the kitchen counter. And technically speaking, 
that's a cake sitting there. But until it's assembled together, when you assemble it together, it suddenly turns into a complete different sound, a different taste, a different smell. Is anybody in here getting a hold of this just a little bit? When you get it assembled together and you just get a little bit of fire under it, suddenly it's worth a million dollars if you market it. And it's going to help supply the need that you have in your life for something sweet to eat. Who knows what I'm talking about? When you're in the body of Christ, you can be just a bunch of individuals that come together. It's kind of like having a marriage or a family. You can have individuals that live in the house or you can have two people that have become one where a home becomes blended together correctly and suddenly it has a different power. It's got a different force. Everything about it's different. It's the same way on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says. Here, Jesus has arisen from the dead 50 days before. Now he has ascended 10 days previous, and he has commanded the disciples to go during the feast of Pentecost and to tarry in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 1 says, and to wait there until they have been endued with power from on high. Jesus told them that also in the book of, uh, of, of Luke. He said, go and wait until you've got the Holy Ghost in Jerusalem. I like what uh, old brother John Osteen used to say. He said, God commanded them, don't even leave the city limits until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. I kind of have a concern. I don't want to become too critical or, or judgmental of anything, but we are fruit inspectors. You don't have to be a critic or a judge, just be a fruit inspector. Jesus said you know them by the fruit. I have a concern that there are many churches uh, in, in America right now that if the Holy Spirit were to be raptured off of the planet, they'd just go, just go right on, just like nothing had ever happened. How many of you know that in the body of Christ, the sick ought to be getting well? Come on, the, the oppressed ought to be being set free. And on and on. And the believer should be filled with power. God did not leave us defenseless against the forces of darkness when he went away. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to send another one. Not only is he going to comfort you, but he's going to give you the same power that I'm working in. We have that power in a portion. It's called the power of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We are commanded to receive that. Oh, hallelujah. Now, when God was breaking all of this out to humanity... He begun years ago, uh, before, millennium before, with types and shadows, knowing that that day was going to come one day when the power of God would not just be on men, but would come into men. There are some things the scripture talks about. And I, I sincerely believe that the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I don't think you ought to go more than 50 days after getting born again before you get filled with the Holy Ghost. If, if, if Easter is the resurrection and it's the type of the new birth, and I think we can all agree with that. Somebody shout amen. amen. That's the type and Jesus fulfilled the type and then instituted it and he activated it for all the believers. Then 50 days later, it's like, I don't want you to go any longer than that without getting filled with the power of God because you're going to need it if you're going to be able to live for me and die to yourself in, in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth, which has to be Galveston County. Because you go further than this and you run right into the ocean. So this has got to be one of the farthest parts of the earth. I'm preaching so good right now. And you're acting like you don't even hear me. You better shout or I'm going to preach everything I know on this this morning. And so it's important to hear that. And uh, God commanded the disciples to go back and to tarry. They, they went to what's called an upper room. In chapter 1, it says they were in the upper room. The upper room is the same room where Jesus had broken bread and did his last communion. It's the same place with his disciples. Uh, they're in the same room where he washed their feet. 
And they're very familiar with this place, especially his followers. And there's 120 that after he had resurrected and was seen for many days of many people doing signs and wonders, and then 10 days previous he had ascended, the scripture says by this time there were 500 that were following him. Somebody shout 500. That's an interesting thing because in, in the, uh, uh, the scriptures we see uh, in Exodus that there were 500 who were Levitical. Jesus had gone up. Now listen to this with me. I'm not going to preach it long, but I want you to hear it. Jesus had, uh, excuse me, Moses had gone up into the mountain. Moses, everybody shout Moses. Moses had gone up in the mountain to receive the law. And while he's up there, uh, uh, Moses had told Aaron, now you're going to kind of be over all of this. You're supposed to run this and I'll be back pretty soon. Well, he took some time coming back. He's up there about 40 days. He's taking time coming back. And when Moses comes back, uh, the children of Israel, uh, there, was an, uh, there was an insurgency going on inside of them already. It's a very interesting thing. You have to be careful what you say because Moses' own sister, Miriam, the one that probably changed his diaper when he was a little boy and put him in the bulrushes and took him out and helped nursemaid him with mama uh, when he was raised in, the, uh, in, in, in Pharaoh's palace. Uh, Miriam, she got upset because she's no longer like the queen bee in, in the tribe. And now you got Moses who has led millions of people out and Miriam has, obviously being his older sister, has a lot of respect and probably she's got a lot of issues going on herself. But as she begins to uh, see Moses start making some decisions, she doesn't like it. So Moses decides that he's going to get married. And Moses marries an Ethiopian woman. And uh, because possibly that woman that he married was not understanding or in the covenant, and possibly because she was from Ethiopia, not from uh, uh, Israel there, out of a, one of their own tribes, whatever the reason. Miriam gets real upset about it because he had married an Ethiopian woman, the Bible says. And she begins to talk to other leaders about that. How many of you have read this in the Bible? And she begins to talk to them. And when she does, uh, the Bible says she is struck with leprosy. Because God says, you've spoken judgment on yourself because you did not understand that. Now, stay with me on this. And so judgment came. And she begins to cry out and say, oh, uh, forgive me. Uh, do something, Moses. Pray that God will cause this to stop. And the scripture says that uh, they put her outside of the camp for seven days. And after seven days, God mercifully healed her. And uh, she never had that problem again. But the problem was the people that she had spewed the poison and her own envy, jealousy, strife, all that stuff too, those people didn't have the same dignity in their spirit to repent. And they decided we're going to lead a movement that goes back. And so it's going through the camp. It's going through the leaders. Well, ultimately, uh, the scripture says the ground just opened up. They decided they would offer uh, their own fire on the altar of God. It's called strange fire. Look, I don't care who you are. You don't need to mess with strange fire. If God didn't call someone, look, just run in the lane God called you to walk in. That's what you need to do. If you'll just stick with your lane, you'll be blessed. Come on, somebody shout, I'm blessed. Touch two people and say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Listen, it's not a game. There are spiritual rules that God has instituted from the Garden of Eden till today. And our part as the body of Christ is to learn and, and grow and love the ways of God and then adapt ourselves to the ways of God and keep on flowing. Just keep on uh, being blessed in life. And so consequently, that's what took place. And so when, that, uh, when the ground opened up, and uh, just swallowed up a guy's name, Nabad, and another was named uh, Abihu, and, and it was just a bad situation. I don't want to get you, get you too distracted on this thought. Well, God says to the children of Israel, but they had gone through the camp, the Bible says. And before it got stopped, now there's this insurgency going through the camp. And they're, they're upset because they have not gotten into the promised land yet. So Moses says, God wants me to go up on this mountain up here on Sinai, 
He wants me to go up here and I'm going to, he wants to talk to me. And he starts to go up there. And when he goes up, the Bible says there's smoke that's billowing out. And, and he's going at a, a, at a particular time. And he's gone too long, they thought. He's gone 40 days. And the insurgency kind of took over. And when they did, they decided, let's go back to Egypt's way of doing things. Where we had the golden calves and the idols and everybody had a God for everything they wanted. And so they built them a fire and they all took their earrings and all of their rings and their gold. And, and, uh, because when they came out of Egypt, they went from being the, the poorest, uh, group of people in the earth after 400 years of captivity and slavery under the Pharaohs. They come out. And in one night, they become arguably the wealthiest people in the world because they took the jewelry, they took the pots, they took the pan, they took everything. Pharaoh's like, just take it all, get out of here because the deaf angel had passed through. Have y'all read this in the Bible? So they go from being the poorest to the wealthiest uh, potentially overnight. The problem is, I don't care how much money you have or do not have, it does not change your character. Only Jesus can do that. If you're a liar and you've got a lot of money, you're just a rich liar. If you're a thief and you've got a lot of money, you're just a rich thief. Money doesn't make you good or bad. It just makes what's good and bad on the inside of you kind of illuminate. So let's get rid of the bad by faith in Jesus' name. Come on. And let's just replace it with the character of God and the goodness of God. So anyway, Moses goes up on that mountain. He's what he, and Joshua goes with him. There's smoke billowing out there. The people are seeing it. And they're probably thinking, well, God's already eaten him. He, God's probably just barbecued him up into some kind of kosher food or something. He, he, Moses and Joshua are gone. And so they said, let's go back to Egypt. And so they build this fire and they build a gold and they melt down their gold, all their jewelry, and they build a big old golden calf. And they're dancing around and worshiping around this golden calf. Why is it when people live for the devil, they'll worship more than when they were living for God? Do you remember, don't flash back too much, when you were in the bars? Do you remember when you'd be like, I have three and I'm buying for everybody in here. But why is it when people give their life to God? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about who this, who this offends. Uh, but when we, when we give our life to the Lord, we're like, all of a sudden. Can I just remind you that when you said yes to Jesus, you aren't supposed to lose your shout. You're not supposed to lose your praise. You're not supposed to lose your joy. It's just who you're shouting to. It's who you're magnifying. It's who you're glorifying. And so they build them a golden calf and they're dancing around this thing and they're going to go back to Egypt. And then the whole story would have been usurped uh, from Genesis to Revelation and the devil would have won. It would have been changed and therefore Jesus could not have fulfilled it. Every uh, jot, every tittle, uh, the Bible says every letter of the word, uh, if anything did not get fulfilled, of course, then uh, Jesus would have not been the perfect sacrifice. Uh, and so here these guys are doing this and then finally Moses comes back. The Bible says when Moses comes back, he, uh, uh, he, he's looking and he's listening. Moses is over 80 years old at this point, and he's listening. And Joshua, who, who's a, a, a real youngster, jo Joshua's only around 50 or so years old at that time. And the scripture says, Joshua looks over there and he says, oh my goodness, uh, it, it sounds like they're celebrating the goodness of God. That might even be the, uh, the shout of a warrior coming from the camp. We're not really sure. And they got a little bit closer and Moses knew the difference in sounds. He's like, no, 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 that's not the living God. That's not Jehovah God. Yeah, they're worshiping all right, but that sound is worshiping the wrong God. And Moses comes down and he gets real upset. He doesn't like this at all because this is happening uh, when God had just said, now listen, he, he, he said every seven weeks, let it be, 49, every seven weeks, uh, excuse me, uh, every seven sevens, that's what it would be. Uh, these, these are years, 49, one is 50. But then he said in the Jubilee, uh, 
every seven years, then on the next year, they should begin to celebrate. Listen. And they should celebrate the goodness of God and the return of everything we've lost. He's just gotten this from God. And he comes down, and when he comes down, he looks around, and instead of celebrating what God has done, they're saying God has set us up to get killed out here, and we're going back where we came from. And the Bible says Moses got angry. And the anger of the Lord, the Bible says, was stirred up. That's an interesting thought. Come on, stay with me. We're getting to Pentecost. Listen. And Moses says, I want to know who is with us. I want to know who's on our side. Remember what Aaron said? Moses said, what in the world? You mean you built a a golden calf that you could worship the devil with? And Aaron said, oh, I didn't do it. I promise you I didn't do it. Uh, It wasn't my fault. I love this guy's excuse. It sounds like he's three years old. He said, we just, we took all of the gold and threw it in the fire. And when we did, this calf came out of it. I'm sure Moses looked at Joshua and Joshua looked at Moses. I'm sure they shook their head like, how dumb do they think we are? And the scripture says, Moses got real angry because he knew that a curse had been loosed in there. And the scripture says, he like drew a line in the sand. He said, I want to know who's on the Lord's side. And 500 of the Levitical priests ran over there. 500 of the sons of Levi and his family ran over on that side. Everybody shout 500. And he said, if you're on the Lord's side, I want you to start doing something. And the Bible says they got their swords out and they went to war with those guys. And 3,000 were killed on that day. That's in Leviticus and also uh, in Exodus. 3,000, and in Deuteronomy tells a little about it. 3,000 were killed that day. Now, that particular time, uh, Moses now says, now look, we're going to magnify the Lord. And every year, 50 days after Passover, we're going to give God glory. We're going to have 49 days and then... Uh, we're going to celebrate on that 50th day what God has done. And we're going to wave an offering before Him. We're going to take our harvest. We're going to magnify the Lord, and we're never going back. Can I get two big amens right there? And that's when Pentecost, uh, the, the celebration of Pentecost, began to be activated to the Jews. Now, not only that, but there were 500 of the sons of Levi. That's when the Levitical priesthood took up. That were called. Now, I don't necessarily know if all 500 of them actually followed because when you fast forward to Acts chapter 2 to the day of Pentecost, uh, the scripture says 10 days before there were 500 that went with Jesus up on the mountain. Can I have an amen? amen. Give me two amens. Amen. That went up on the mountain And Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. And I'm not sure if all 500 of them went, but because it took some time, maybe the pressure, the stress of this new uh, followers of of this resurrected king who is uh, maybe just the sensationalism of the miracles and signs and wonders. Or, or maybe their expectation wasn't exactly what they thought it was going, uh, should have been. And here they go. But by the time the day of Pentecost came, there were only 120 of them left. Oh my goodness. And now they're there. And that group has been there for up to, uh, and there's women in there also. The Bible says in Acts chapter one, that Mary, the mother of Jesus was there on the day of Pentecost and was in the upper room and got filled with the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues. Mary was a charismatic. And so 120 of them are there, and you see these types that are being worked out. It's a very powerful thing. And now they're on the 50th day. They've had that feast of celebration. They've been going on. 
The Bible doesn't say that they were fasting the whole time or anything like that. They were praying. They were seeking God. They've gone through the feast. And now the day of Pentecost is fully come. The days are now complete. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, one of the greatest teachings that Jesus did in his ministry on this. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth upon me as the scripture has said. Look, there's a lot of ways to believe on Jesus. You can believe he's a philosopher. Uh, you can be a Jehovah's Witness and believe he's an angel. Uh, you can believe uh, uh, so many different things that people say. Some people say, well, he was just a prophet. Or he, but, but how about believing as the scripture has said? He is the only begotten son of the father. He is the second part of the Godhead. He is full of grace. He's full of power. And the Bible says he is alive forevermore and he's coming back again one day. He that believeth upon me, as the scripture has said, he said, out of his innermost being, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now listen, verse 38 says, and this spake he of the Holy Ghost, which they that believe upon him should receive. For as yet the Holy Ghost was not given, for Jesus was not yet glorified. Now I just, I just gave it to you verbatim. Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, that means he had not been uh, died, crucified, resurrected from the dead, and seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, and, but today he has been. He's preaching that particular message about 18 months before his crucifixion. But he was saying it's going to happen one day. Now he's been crucified. You fast forward it about 18 months or so. And now it's on that day of Pentecost. I'm sure they're praying. By this time, there's 120, and they're, they're in for the long haul. They're not going anywhere. They know he's alive. They saw him go up, and 500 did, but 380 of them, for some reason, did not go up there, and you can put hundreds in that room. That's not just a little be small room. And the Scripture says, when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50. Somebody shout 50. It's a Hebrew word. It means 50 or 50th. And so it's 50 days past uh, Passover, remember that, or Easter. Now when the celebration, the feast day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. Hit it again. Come on, give me that chord. Give me that chord big. They're all with one accord in one place. Uh, fast forward, if you would, please, to look at verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. That's because that uh, not only did the ones live there, but also they were coming from all of these other nations. They would go back to Jerusalem on a yearly pilgrimage. Uh, the scripture says, and... Look at verse 6. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? But how do we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So you could say, weren't all of these people uh, English-speaking? if we were just going to try to make it relative to this moment? Uh, don't they have the natural language of each other? And then verse 9 picks up. Uh, there's the, uh, the Parthians, which are today called the Kurds, the Parthians and the Medes, uh, the Elamites, the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea, uh, Cappadocia, in Pontus in Asia, uh, Phrygia. Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Syria, Cyrus and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of, of new wine. One translation says, 
Uh, they heard them speak, and it sounded like gibberish to them, like child's talk or gibberish. And then one of them, somebody said, well, these people act like they're all drunk. And that's when Peter says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. There was 120 of them in the upper room, and the Bible says, the Holy Spirit began with a sound. Suddenly, somebody shout suddenly. How many of you are glad God can still change everything suddenly in your life? Come on. Suddenly, the Bible says, there came a sound. The Holy Spirit loves sound. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. There's some beautiful words in Greek. I don't want to get too distracted by getting in the weeds of just word studies with you. But I can tell you, it just literally means a word for breath. It's a word we get the word breath from. A sound of a rushing mighty wind that came through the room, the Bible says, and cloven tongues as of fire sat upon every one of them, each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad for the fire of the Holy Ghost? The fire of the Holy Ghost on that first Pentecost that Moses brings in. Now listen, this is very important to hear this. There was just a bunch of smoke. And there were false idols. And 3,000 got killed that day. And 500 got separated over as, as the Levitical priest. But when Jesus is fulfilling all of that for you and me, uh, on that particular Pentecost, which is, in my opinion, the activating of the New Testament church as we know it today, because Jesus is not just going to come on you, but He will pour out His Spirit in you. And He will fill you with power. Under the law, 3,000 were killed that day. Oh, but under the Spirit of grace, somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says that it got out into the streets and 3,000 were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. And the next day, 5,000 more. Oh, glory to God. And they said, what mean is this? What mean is this? These people, well, we don't understand it. And some started mocking. These are people that have been taught the same law, taught the Bible a certain way, but had no expectation of the coming Messiah and His promise that He would give. Listen, there is religion going on all over in some form of the name of Jesus, but it does not create faith or expectation. One of the things about the Word of God, when it comes alive in you, the Word of God has a faith element and a divine expectation that begins to come with it. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'll never forget you. I want to tell you a quick story. I've got several of them. Here's one I like to tell. There was a, a pastor in this area. This was uh, a few years ago of one of the major Baptist churches in this area. I'm not going to name it because I don't want to uh, take his testimony from him. I'm just telling you the way it is. And one day this gentleman came in the front office and he wanted to speak to me. And he introduced himself, told me who he was. And I, I talked to him for a, a few minutes. And he said, the Holy Spirit told me. He said, I believe it was God or the Holy Spirit or something that I'm supposed to come to you and tell you about this vision that I have. And he starts talking about a church and he starts talking about uh, flags out in the front and banners. And he starts telling me where the sick are being healed and the lost are being saved. And I said, now tell me where you pastor again. And he told me, and I said, is that happening in your church now? He said, no, 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 that's not happening there. But I believe that's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. I said, and he said, God told me to come and speak to you, to meet you and talk to you. And you were the person who could tell me what to do. I said, God told you that? He said, I believe it was God that told me that I do. 
And so what I'm going to tell you, you think that's what God said. He said, I believe God told me to get instruction. I said, okay, hang on a second. So I called another one of my staff members in. I said, come in and sit in here. I introduced him and stuff. And I said, let me just talk to you for a minute. And I said, do you love Jesus? Are you born again? He said, yeah, absolutely I am. I'm born again. I said, to do what you just now said, you're going to need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, he said, oh, I have the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, the wall just came up just like that. He said, I have the Holy Ghost. And this guy was sincere. I said, oh, well, I said, well, I know you do. We all have the Holy Ghost. But I said, and I gave him a couple of scriptures in Acts because there's about nine of them, uh, places in Acts. So I gave him a place there. I said, now look at this. You notice they're the believers. And then they laid their hands on them. They're already baptized. They're all of those things. They believed on Jesus, been water baptized. But they laid their hands on them and then the Holy Ghost comes on them. And they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. And uh, I said, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? Uh, because that's the sign of the initial sign. It's the initial sign of the infilling of God's power. His outpouring, the Bible says, into you of His power. I said, have you received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, no, I don't do that. He said, I asked God for that kind of one time, just kind of by myself, and it didn't happen. And so I just determined it's not for everybody. I said, well, there's, there's no example of a believer asking God to baptize them in the Holy Ghost, you know, sincerely asking that they don't receive. And it's according to Acts chapter 2, it's for you, your children, as many as are afar off as the Lord our God shall call. I said, you think the Lord called you? He said, oh, absolutely. I said, well, then the Holy Ghost is for you. I said, let me ask you a question. If God would baptize you in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, would you receive? And he said, and he got kind of pious to me, and he went, I'll take anything God has for me. He said, I'll take anything God has for me. Sure. I said, hallelujah, sit in that chair right there. I said, now don't freak out. I'm going to come over and lay my hands on you. And I'm going to lay my hands on you. And when I lay my hands on you, I'm just going to say, receive the Holy Ghost. And when I do, why don't you just obey God? And I'm telling you, you'd have thought I was talking to that wall right there. But I knew this guy's heart was sincere. He just, he just didn't know what to do. And so I walk right, come around my desk. I walk right over there to him. And I said, now, Father, this guy's a believer. And I led him in a short prayer. I said, uh, Lord, baptize me with the Holy Ghost like you did in the Bible, speaking with other tongues. I led him in a prayer like that. Regardless of what I've been taught, if it's not all right, Lord, just do your thing. Baptize me in the Holy Ghost and I will speak with other tongues if you do that. I laid him in that prayer just like that. And then I laid my hands on him and said, receive the Holy Ghost. And when I did, he went, and listen, I thought he'd had the Holy, it sounded like he'd been baptized in the Holy Ghost for years. Next thing I know, he's sliding down in the chair. And I could describe all of the body fluids that were coming out, but I'll let you just get to, I'm just telling you, he's doing it. And I just stand back and look at him and went, oh my goodness, that's powerful. The Spirit of God is for every believer. If you are hungry and you are thirsty, the Bible says God will fill you. The scripture says these people had come from all of these other nations. 16 of them, I think, are named there. All of these countries. These would have been Jewish people. But they lived in these other nations. And many of them spoke other uh, languages. But they were still practicing Jews. And so they would come and they would be there for that particular time, that feast day. And they would have been there for some time. I got to thinking about this and I hope this helps somebody and I'm done. I want you to get this. These guys had traveled a long distance. Uh, God begins to give you. Some came from the north. Some came from the south. Some had come from east and west directions. They had all come in there to celebrate that. And many of them, uh, they, they now had a different dialect and a different language than what they normally would have spoken right there. That uh, uh, the that particular type of language, let me just say that, that dialect. And so here they are, and when they begin to speak out in other tongues, 
The people all around them are hearing them in their own language. And it's just fascinating them that they can all hear God is doing a supernatural miracle. Uh, two of them, one, he's baptizing people in the Holy Ghost, and the other is he's causing these people to hear it in his own language. And, and when they begin to speak with other tongues, the Bible says it boiled out into the streets. How many of you know you can't just hold uh, the Holy Ghost up inside of a little cult somewhere like we got our own little thing. We're sitting around and there's about 12 of us or 15 of us and we're the elect and we're all that. You know, listen, come on. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost that even creation cannot contain all of the glory and the width and the expanse of God. No, it's for you, your children, as many as are far off. And it's not just for when you come inside the four walls of the church. We just get in one accord in here, but individually every person is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's God's plan. I just think about these guys that have traveled so far. I always think of the wise men when they came to find Jesus, how they had traveled a long distance through very perilous times. And they had brought a great amount of gold and silver with them and all of the things they were going to bless Jesus with once they found that newborn king. Now fast forward 33 and a half years and now you have all of these people from different nations that some of them would have traveled weeks to get there. Here they're coming. They, they didn't have airplanes in those days. Uh, th those weren't invented for about 10 more years after that. And so here they are. Here they are. They're coming through all of the troubles. They've, they've left families where uh, in the countries they live in. They've probably, some of them have been robbed on the way. They've had all kind of uh, physical uh, problems that come with having to travel those great distances. And now they've been there probably for at least one week. And the Bible says, somehow all of these people wound up in a certain area where there was a certain house. They had come from all over the known world, Jewish world at that particular time where they had dispersed to. And now they come and get to that one place and that one place is where God activates the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the birth of the New Testament church as we know it today, which started that day on the day of Pentecost. They could not be contained. God was saying, I'm going to take what's in here and I brought them from out there to here. They're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon them. I don't care what they have to travel through, what they got to go back to. God is going to empower them, meet their needs, supply their need. This is not just for a little group. This is for the north, the south, the east, and the west of this generation. Pastor, why do we, why do we teach and preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, and the power of God and the reality, the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit? Why do we do that? Because the head of the church, Jesus, started this whole thing out in a celebration. I promise you the Holy Spirit will not make you sad. No, exactly the opposite. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. And the Bible says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of life-giving water. He said, he talked about the Holy Ghost when he said that. This spake he of the Spirit of God. You know what happens when you get a river flowing? You ever been by a river? And the river's just kind of flowing? That means all the debris along the banks kind of gets caught up in that river. And it just gets washed away. All of the problems. There's life in a river. There's supply in a river. There's joy in a river. There's recreation in that river. There's fellowship in that river. There's all types of things that are in a river. How many of you are glad that we've got a river of life that comes, the Bible says, from the throne of God? We have a river of life that God has poured in us called the Holy Spirit. 
And every time depression and oppression and fear and doubt and all of the consternation of this life and all of the situations that show up try to empower you and hold you down, you just need to say, watch out devil, I'm about to release a river of life. I'm about to release the river of life. That sickness is gonna have to go. That poverty's gotta go. That situation in my children, I've got to go. My marriage is going to be healed and restored. Satan's got to go. And you can't just contain that. Listen, because it's in your face. It's in your mouth. It's in your eyes. And it's coming through your spirit, the Bible says, out of your innermost belly. Come on, throw your hands up in the air right now and just begin to pray. Come on, begin. some of you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you've not yet received that gift, I've asked God this morning to baptize every person with the Holy Ghost. I know you're a believer. I know you said yes to Jesus. Get all of the benefits. Get the power of God. Let's start getting prayers answered. Let's begin to see our sons and daughters prophesy. We're not gonna lose a generation, we're gonna take a generation for Jesus. The Bible says when you pray in tongues, you're not talking to men, you talk to God. No man understands you. Come on, let that beautiful prayer language, just let God fill you. God, God won't force anyone to do that. Oh, but if you're sincere and you just ask God, just watch what he does right now. Let's just worship real gently. Just worship the Lord. I tell you, the Holy Ghost is coming on some people right now. They were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, fill this house. Fill these families. Fill every individual. Fill the ministries that are here. Lord, we don't want just carnal, natural human stuff. Holy Spirit, we want your presence. We want your power. We want your reality. Turn him down a little bit. Come on, church. Right there. Just begin to worship the Lord. Oh, just begin to worship. Let the Spirit of God fill you. Jesus. Stand on your feet this morning and just lift your hands to the Lord. Jesus. Ask God to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Turn him down a little bit. Jesus, Holy Spirit, I want you to sing. And just magnify the Lord. Jesus. Right there, right there. Right there. Right there. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus. One of, the, one of the powerful writers, historical writers, and the Jewish doctrine believes today that David was actually born on Pentecost. What is Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost? David, the great psalmist and the great praiser. And then there are some, it's up for debate, who actually believe that he died on that same day also. That's an interesting thing to me. But the Lord began to talk to me and I began to write down about the benefits and the qualities of the Holy Ghost. And it's a word for men and women in this house today. 
God is saying you're going to enter into, so I wrote it, so much of it, I wrote it down. You're going to enter into a time of advancement. Listen to this. If you say, Pastor, what you're saying doesn't apply to me, well, you just hang in there and just see what the Spirit of the Lord said. God says, let go of your hurts. Let go of your wounds. Let go of your other agendas. And I wrote it down. You're this and that. Not this and that. This is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel, the Bible says, in Joel chapter 2. It's a very powerful thing. Peter got up and preached it in the next verse there. And the scripture says that it would happen for as many as the Lord calls. Can you tell me someone who's not called of God? God so loved the world, He called every one of us. Not everybody's going to respond. The Spirit of the Lord said, tell the church, I will empower them. Listen, I will empower them with compassion for other people. I will empower them for giving. Their harvest will not fail. I will empower them to align their life with the purposes of God. Are y'all getting it? Are you getting this? I will empower them to enter into the anointing of Pentecost, not just the story of Pentecost, with supernatural infilling. For power over all of your enemies. I will empower them with a suddenly anointing. Things will change suddenly. If they will remain in one place, one mind, one accord. I will give them an upper room experience that puts them far above and beyond the normal. God says, I have raised you up and placed you in a place that you went through the traffic, the traps, and the trips of life that could have distracted, derailed, separated, or even eliminated you. But instead you arrived at an appointed place and an appointed time that God desired to prepare for you. Ooh, somebody's going to get this. You are about to receive your Pentecost season. Hallelujah. Like Joseph, I've taken you out of the pit to put you in a palace. Like the three Hebrew children, out of a fiery furnace to a place of leadership. Like Moses, out of Egypt to a land and a place of liberty. Like David, out of the cave of Adullam to a place of supernatural empowering. Like Daniel, I am empowering you to overcome the lions. Woo. I am baptizing you with power so you will not have to fight off fear, you will overcome fear. The power of Pentecost will cause doubt and anxieties to be broken off of your life and mind. The power of Pentecost in one mind, in one accord will empower you to reject bitterness that comes to you in this life. Woo. The power of Pentecost causes yesterday's pain to depart and not be in your future. I will empower you to sacrifice what you felt like before you had to hold on to. Instead, to release it for the plan of God in your life. The power of Pentecost will activate the times of refreshing 
that you so desperately need. The time of completion. Ooh, hallelujah. Lord, I receive every one of these for myself. I will activate your ears to hear and receive the sound and the power that comes to you from above. Anybody get a hold of this? You will be prepared and furnished because you've been through the seed process, the grain process, the harvest process, and the praise process. You will see the word of the king will come to pass in your life because you have prepared yourself. I wrote this down. Get this. You say, this is a word just for you, pastor. Well, then thank you for being in my prayer time. Because you refuse to be separated from your harvest, your harvest has now begun. You'll see because of the power of Pentecost that the glory of God shall be greater. You will begin to affect people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Thank you, Jesus. The power of Pentecost will cause there to be no lack in your life. You will even meet many from other nations that will come and be healed, some physically, but everyone spiritually. The apostolic anointing that's in this house shall go into your house. And you will be part of the harvesters where thousands will be planted in this place. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause the fivefold ministry gifts to be raised up in you and effective in your world. Your life, your words will be known as words of power, words of revelation, and words that bring answers to prayer. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause whole families to be added to the kingdom of God at one time. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause you to understand that you have been called even before the beginning of time. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause you to see that which needs to be removed and that which does not need to be removed. The power of the Holy Ghost will shake what needs to be shaken and stabilize what needs to be stabilized. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause you to emerge as a strong and tried and tested people that are pure, holy, anointed, and filled with the joy of the Lord. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause your words to be like a sword from God, full of beauty and grace. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause you to recognize you are a chosen people. You are ordained to show forth the highest qualities of God. The power of the Holy Ghost will anoint you to rejoice in all seasons. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause you to gather and prepare for the entrance of the King. The power of the Holy Ghost will equip you like a straight arrow to be shot from the hand of God into the darkness of this world and bring the glorious light. The power of the Holy Ghost will be like a mighty river of God's power that flows from within you. I think we ought to lift our hands and begin to bless the Lord. The power of the Holy Ghost brings in a new season and the sound of abundance of the holy reign of God in your ears. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause you to taste and see that God's way is the best. 
The power of the Holy Ghost will cause the plowman to overtake the reaper. As soon as you begin to harvest, you'll see the seed go in the ground. As soon as the seed goes in the ground, you'll see the harvest come. The harvest will come quickly under the power of the Holy Ghost. With the power of the Holy Ghost, every giant will fall with a simple sling and a stone by faith. The power of the Holy Ghost will cause every lion-like enemy to become a place of deliverance and victory. There is a suddenly sound of God that is in your ear and in your life. Like on the day of Pentecost, many will say, what meaneth this? Some may even mock, but many will hear and be glad and put their trust in the Lord. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.